Well, we've just had a character moment here at the front. I don't know if you caught it. You would probably have had to be in one of the first couple of rows to catch it during the children's message. I think actually God spoke to me there for a moment. Um, All the children were gathered around together, and one of the kids had a whole bunch of Lego building blocks in his hand, and that was uh, John Malcolm Neely. And... (laughs) And he was not paying attention, let's just say, to the message particularly well because he was playing with his Lego blocks. Now, the Lego blocks are something that's great. They're a good thing for him to have, right? But, uh, and he really enjoyed them. I'm sure he was, he was thrilled that he had those Lego blocks. But uh, Chris Hensel, who was leading and giving the message, reached out and grabbed the Lego blocks away from John Malcolm. Now... This is a character moment. What's he going to do? I, I kind of expected him to scream his head off. But he ended up, Chris grabbed the Lego blocks from John Malcolm. He ended up with one of his blocks left. And he looked up at Chris. And then he took his one block that was left. And he threw it down. And he started paying attention to the message. And here's the word of the Lord. What are you going to do when God takes away the thing that you like, the thing that you're paying attention to instead of him, and you've got one little bit of it left? You're going to be angry and scream and throw a fit, or are you going to let it go and pay attention to the one who's trying to get your attention? Let's pray. Father God, we come humbly to you, to your word. God, we recognize that we can't understand your word or have it change us or become more like Jesus or even see the way the world really is without your help. We ask now, please, send us your Holy Spirit. Let my words simply be an offering to you And let the way that everyone in this congregation listens and thinks and seeks you during this message simply be an offering to you. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give several reminders today as it is the first Sunday of the new year. This is a great time to reflect on things, to think about your life where you're at, who you are, what's really important. The first thing I want to remind you about today is the Bible. Do you have your Bible with you? If you don't, grab one out of the pew and get one in your hand. The Bible is life. It is power. I want to remind us today that we, we cannot be distracted from the Word of God this year. If we want to live in the real world and know God, this word has power to change us. It has power to open our eyes. It has power to defeat sin in our lives as it is filled with the Spirit of God. The two primary ways that God speaks to us are through His Word and by His Spirit. Those are the two main conduits of His power and grace to us. They are open all the time. What does the Bible feel like to you right now? Is it open to you? 
Is it speaking to you every day? Are you giving it the time? Are you giving it the energy that is required to put you in the right place to hear God's word through it? It is a primary strategy of our enemy, Satan, to distract us from the word of God, to make it seem boring, to make it seem like there are many other things that are are better for us to put our attention and time into, but there are none. Remember this year the word of God and don't neglect it. We're going to look today at Isaiah and chapter 40. And we will look quite uh, carefully at the text, so please do have your Bible open. In the coming weeks, Pastor Lyle will begin a series uh, on the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be looking at Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus. He is the one. He is the way. But today, as we enter the new year, I want to look a little bit more at the prophecies about His coming. I want to look a little bit more at Isaiah, who... Uh, in many ways, was the greatest prophet of the Messiah, prophet of the one who would come and change everything, the one who would open the way to God for us. In Isaiah chapter 40 begins that prophecy. It begins a long section of prophecy that runs actually almost all the way through the end of the book about the Messiah. The context of Isaiah chapter 40 is, of course, well, in Isaiah's lifetime, uh, the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire had come, we've talked about this many times, they were the big, bad, evil guys of the ancient Middle East, and they had come and they had shaken the whole world with fear of their armies. They had destroyed almost everyone. All the gods of the nations that they worshipped in their temples fell before the Assyrian army as they swept through. And there stood Israel. The kingdom of Judah was the only kingdom that stood. And within the kingdom of Judah stood one man, the prophet Isaiah. And in response to this terrible, big bad army of evil that had shaken the entire world with fear, God spoke a word through the prophet Isaiah. A word. And that word eventually annihilated the Assyrian army. Where are they now? But the word of Isaiah still stands, and it will always stand, the word of God through his prophet. This word has power to change us today. Isaiah chapter 40, as this prophecy opens up, it's God's call to the whole world to wake up. We're in a time here in the history of the world, in the history of Israel, where many people had fallen asleep to the reality of God. We'll see that in just a few minutes as we continue in the text. And this is God speaking to the world. God looks down on the world and he says, now is the time I'm going to begin to call you to wake up. Rise out of your sleep. Look around and see what the world is really like. I'm right here and you're missing it. In verse 9, you'll see this is the text where we get the great song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? That we were all clapping and cheering to a couple of weeks ago. 
You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. God is telling Isaiah to proclaim this message as loudly as possible. Let's begin then to look at our text for today. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. God begins by saying this, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, none of them is missing. God begins his message, his call to wake up, by asking, by telling people to look around at what exists. Look around you. The world is not here by accident. You are not an accident, nor are the events of your life. Things are not just luck or chance. What created all this? There is a God who is real, and he sustains everything right now by his power. If there were not, if there were not, none of this could exist. He asks you to think about this carefully, because when you think about it carefully, you will realize that it is true. Is God real? Is there really a God? The evidence, the most powerful evidence, some of the most powerful evidence, is all around us. We are swimming in it. We are the evidence. We are so, we are so overwhelmed by this constant evidence that God is alive and real and all-powerful that we've forgotten about it. We're like the fish in the ocean who doesn't know what water is because we're swimming in it all the time. So God says, look around. Consider what has been made. He is real and he is here. He then begins to diagnose the condition of the people. God is looking down from heaven and from his perspective, the ways that people are thinking and seeing the world are crazy. They're not seeing the world the way that it really is. Verse 27, he continues, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. These people were much like the world today. They didn't see God working around them, even though he was constantly working around them. They didn't see him at work, and they thought to themselves, maybe they didn't say it out loud, but they thought to themselves, why were there so many miracles in the old days? They knew the stories of Moses and Abraham and and Joshua and all the great things God had done in the olden days, but why wasn't he doing anything today? Why, Why isn't he here? Why don't I see him in my life? And in fact, they had gone even further than that. They had become apathetic. Well, God's not really here, and so... He's not really doing anything if he is here. And so I I just need to kind of get on with my life and do the things that actually work. 
They'd become apathetic. They could no longer see God. And in fact, many of them in their hearts doubted whether he was really there at all. Maybe the world is just an accident. I don't know. Maybe I'm just here and there's no reason. And to God, this is insanity. He looks down and he cries out, wake up, look around you. He continues in verses, uh, verse 28, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Haven't I been telling you from the very beginning? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't get tired or grow weary. And no one can fathom his understanding. He says, come on, people. Wake up to the reality around you. I'm not asleep, God says. I'm not hidden. I'm right here available to you now. But no one is seeking me. No one is looking for me. You've all become apathetic and, and are going your own way and are distracted by many good things that I've given you, but you're not coming after me. If you would simply turn to me, you would see that I am here. And then he continues with what I think is the greatest point in the entire chapter. And in many ways, it uh, could be an expression of the message of the entire Bible. What is the nature of human life? What was it meant to be? And here, God, through his prophet Isaiah, casts a vision. This is what human life is meant to be. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like the eagles. They will mount up on wings and rise into the air like the eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and never faint. And this is the vision of human life. Human beings were not made to run on our own apart from God. And when we try, we wear ourselves out and lead ourselves to death. That is simply the nature of human life. Human beings were made for the Spirit. We are physical, yes, but primarily, more than we are physical, we are spiritual beings. And we were made to live with God and run on the power of His Spirit. But we've gotten lost. We've forgotten it. We've somehow been cut off from that power. But it is available. It is right there, waiting for us to come after it. Isaiah gives us in these verses also a very powerful image. The image that he gives us is that of an eagle. 
He compares human beings in their right relationship with God to eagles who soar on the wind. Let's consider that image for a few minutes. It is powerful and can actually be pushed very far. How do eagles work? Eagles are some of the largest birds that there are, and they fly higher than any other bird. Have you ever sat and watched an eagle way up in the sky? Have you? Yeah? It's so much fun to watch an eagle that high, thinking about what they must see up there, thinking about what it must be like up there, soaring on the wind. But eagles have a different strategy than many birds for how they fly, right? In fact, it is very hard because their wings are so big. It's very hard for them to fly by flapping their wings, and they only do it when they have to, to get off the ground, to get up high enough to catch the wind. Eagles fly by soaring. They fly by waiting on the wind. And what is the wind? The, the, the image that we are given, the, the metaphor for the wind in Scripture is what? It's the Spirit. The wind is the Spirit of God. And eagles fly by waiting for the wind. Once they're off the ground, yes, they have to come to the ground sometimes. There are parts of the eagle's body that are for the ground, their, their talons, their beaks. They need to come down to eat physical food. They need to come down to get things that they need from the earth. But the source of their life and their strength comes from their wings and from their soaring on the wind. When they're on the ground, first they beat their wings hard to get off the ground. And then they catch the wind and they rise high. And from up there, they can see everything. They can see clearly. Their eyesight, which is made to focus on things very far away, becomes crystal clear once they're high in the air. They can see things on the ground from miles away, and that's how they find their food. That's how they find what they need and where they're supposed to go. And eagles, in fact, always try to stay high, don't they? Because it's so much work for them to get off the ground, they, they make their nests very high in trees or on cliffs, and they wait often on the top of a tree. If the wind isn't blowing, you'll see an eagle waiting in the top of a tree, waiting for the wind to come. And then when it does, he just lifts his wings, flaps once or twice, and he's gone. Now, my friends, what if there were a world full of eagles who forgot about the wind? You know, you could imagine this happening quite easily. You know, imagine these eagles, they, they realize that sometimes the wind doesn't blow, right? It only blows some of the time. It blows all the time way up there, but they can't stay up in the stratosphere all the time. And they think, you know, our food is down here on the ground. That's where our real food is. So maybe we should focus more of our time on the ground. It's really hard to flap our wings and get up that high. So let's stop trying so hard. So these eagles come down from the trees and they wander around on the ground. And after a little while, their wings start to atrophy. 
they no longer have the strength easily to get off of the ground, and so now they're bound to the earth. Their lives are really hard because they don't have arms, right? They just have to, have you ever seen an eagle walking? I mean, they can, but it's awkward. They have these talons that weren't really built for it and these big, long beaks. But they think, you know, this is where our food is. This is where we need to concentrate our energy. So these eagles start, you know, they start uh, building programs and systems for how they can, uh, they can better utilize the ground, right? They start doing exercises to strengthen their leg muscles, uh, and they start, to, they start coming up with plans, you know, and building, uh, they build nests underground. They do all kinds of things to make their life on the ground easier and better. But still, it's difficult, and they can't understand why. Now, but after a long enough time, you know, the eagles, they've got their wings together, and there's no reason to use them on the ground. So after a long enough time, they're not even able to flap their wings anymore. And then, once a few generations have gone by, they don't even, they start to doubt whether they even have wings. You know what, I think, I think we're not actually birds. Maybe we're something else. Maybe we're, maybe we're wolves with two legs. Something like that. And there's a rumor among the eagles. There's this sort of memory of the olden days when the eagles used to fly high in the air. But almost all the eagles think it's a myth. It's just made up. It's a legend, right? Eagles fly. That's ridiculous. We don't even have wings. And there's a few of the eagles, there's a few of the eagles who believe the old stories, but they don't know how to fly either. And they get together once a week. They get together once a week and they do little flying exercises. Okay? They, they say, oh, all right, we know that there's these old stories that eagles could fly, right? So we're going to get together and we're going to say, eagles can fly. We believe eagles can fly. And then they practice a little bit of hopping. It'd be like this. And the few of them who can still feel their wings maybe flutter a feather or two. And maybe those who are really brave, they climb up on a rock, maybe six inches off the ground, and they jump off. And they say, oh, I flew. Praise the Lord. And to the rest of the eagle world, those eagles look ridiculous. All they do is make the other eagles think even more strongly that eagles were never meant to fly. Look at the ones who think they can fly. It's like a bad joke. What's the problem? The problem is that you can't, for these eagles to take off, they can't just do a little bit here and a little bit there. They can't just hop around for half an hour and expect that they're going to be able to soar. If these eagles want to take off, they're going to have to change their whole lives. If these eagles want to take off, they're going to have to remember that they have wings. If these eagles want to take off, they're going to have to enter strict training and they're going to have to put everything they have into it until they can flap their wings, until those muscles become powerful enough that they can... And then they're going to have to use all of their energy to get off of the ground again and they're going to have to be incredibly brave because they've never been more than six inches off the earth and it's going to be scary even to be six feet off the earth. But they're going to have to do it 
with everything they have for a long time if they want to become eagles that can fly. And they could never do it except that there is one with them who knows how to fly. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. And he is an eagle who can soar. And he will show you the way. We're just like eagles. This world, we're just like eagles who have forgotten how to fly. And God is calling out to us. He was calling out to those people then through the prophet Isaiah, wake up. Look around you. The world is not the way that you think it is. We are people who have souls. You have a soul. And it was made to run on the power of God in union with him. And when it does, you will fly. You will soar high. In the will of God, you will be able to do things that are unimaginable by those who walk around on the ground. But it is going to take everything that you have to become an eagle who can fly. My prayer for us this year is that we would seek after God. He is here. Have you felt his presence this morning? He has been here in this room with you powerfully. If you haven't felt his presence, your wings are closed. You can no longer feel the wind. He is right here. His power is available to us if we will seek him. Commit ourselves to following after Jesus with everything that we have, not just a little bit here and there. God is waiting for us. His eyes are searching through the whole world. What's he looking for? He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman whose heart is completely given up to him. And when he finds that man or that woman, he is eager. He is excited He is completely prepared and ready to pour out strength and power into their life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us and calling out to us. Please help us this year to remember who we are and be undistracted. God, give us the vision that you spoke into the world through Isaiah and through Jesus. Help us to run after it with everything that we are as the best thing that could ever be. Amen.